0: Welcome to the Thanksgiving week edition of Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by. Business editor and columnist, Greg Jefferson. Investigative reporter, Brian Chasnoff.
1: Columnist editorial board member, Kerry Clack.
0: And uh, the big news in San Antonio politics uh, over the past week was the announcement last Monday uh, from Democratic State Representative Ina Minhatas that. Uh, this would be her last term in the Texas House because she has decided to run for Bayer County Judge. And we're really happy that we have as our guest on uh, today's podcast, State Representative Ina Minhares. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Hey, thank you all for having me. It's it's good to be here.
0: Well, I wanted to start off by asking when, you know, uh, Bayer County Judge Nelson Wolf uh, basically confirmed, I think a little more than a month ago, that what we kind of suspected was, was the case that he was not going to seek another term. And at that point, you announced that you were going to explore the possibility of the campaign. Um, so if you could talk a little bit about, um, when you decided, when you, you made that decision that this was something you definitely wanted to do and and what went into your decision-making process?
2: Sure. So, you know, this has been, um, one heck of a, legislative session, you know, what I thought would have been 140 days turned out to be a stretch of almost 10 months right. of, of back-to-back special sessions, and, and really just a, an atmosphere that had been one that was really tough, right, to 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 get some some stuff done. But um, during that time, I, I started wondering, you know, whether I wanted to um, continue uh, as a state representative, and, and I'll explain a little, go into a little bit more detail. You know, there were I lost my mother-in-law during the legislative session. Um, No, no. Yeah. And I, and I, of course, feeling that I could not be there um, to comfort my husband during that grieving process. And and in addition to that, it was unfortunately the leadership of the house I felt had, had really um, fallen into wanting to um, make things very political, putting things on the floor like culture war bills. Um, I did not see a speaker who was really uh, defending his members, um, maintaining and fighting the integrity of the the House and standing up against, you know, the governor and lieutenant governor and and started questioning whether, uh, you know, can I be effective here? You know, I promised my constituents I would always come back uh, and be effective for them and, and started feeling that the House has become Washington, D.C. politics. So I started questioning whether, um, do I want to come back? And, and I would have discussions with the dean of our delegation, you know, Representative Martinez-Fisher, and I would tell him, you know, this is how I'm feeling. And he would say, you know, don't make any decisions right now feeling this way. You need to take a break when we get home um, and, and really think about things. Well, in, during that time, I had a, I was hearing that uh, Judge Wolf may, may be looking at retiring and there, I did have some members of the community talking to me and saying, hey, if this happens, I think you should consider it. This is an opportunity that doesn't always come. Um, it's a rare opportunity. And with your skill set and, and your leadership, I, you know, you, you should think about it. And, and really at the time I thought, no, I, I don't even know if I want to do that. But as, as time progressed, um, you know, I, I seriously started thinking about it and, and visiting with people that I respect mentors of mine and thought, Hey, is this something that I should do? Um, and, 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 you know, the response was a good one. You know, there were, there were some that said, Hey, we need you in the house. We need you, your, your ability to work with people. We, we need you to represent San Antonio. And, you know, maybe that's where you should be, but if this is something you want to do, you know, you, you do have a path. And, um, so taking all of that into consideration, um, and, and visiting with family, because that's important to me that I have the support of my family, because mm-hmm. it's not just me who runs, it's the family who runs together. Um, I, I decided, I decided to, to make the decision and run.
0: You know, you, you had a, a reputation or you built a reputation during your time in the Texas house, uh, as someone who worked across partisan lines in, in 2017, you were Texas Monthly's Rookie of the Year. Um, and, uh, when you came in, uh San Antonio's Joe Strauss was the was the, the speaker. You've you've served under three speakers, um and you, you uh alluded to the environment now in the Texas House under uh Dade Phelan. Um did it is it your sense now that it is is really become um almost impossible um for, for sort of bipartisan um you know work to get done in in the Texas House?
2: You know, unfortunately, I do um, look when you, I learned one of the first lessons I learned when you get to the legislature is your word means everything. Um, unfortunately, with the speaker and his leadership team, I have seen that 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 does not matter. Your word does not matter. Um, it, it, there were, you know, for example, when the elections bill came up uh, for a hearing during committee uh, during the special session, um, there were agreements that were made. There were agreements made as to certain amendments that would be allowed um, amendments that were important uh, to the Democratic caucus. And when they got presented uh, during the vote on that committee on that bill, um, th- that word was not honored and those amendments were not taken. And, and that is why I mean, part of the reason why we broke quorum, because unfortunately, uh, the word of leadership does not matter Working across the aisle, trying to build consensus, trying to compromise on pieces of legislation, it just got to a point where, uh, in my eyes, that that you know, certain agreements weren't going to be honored. Um, it wasn't about working together. It wasn't about consensus. And unfortunately, yes, I see that um, after the quorum break, um, unfortunately, the leadership it's just gotten to a place where um, it's become about uh, you know Washington D.C. politics and. I certainly hope that, um, you know, this is Speaker Phelan's first term. I hope that he has learned some lessons um, and, and maybe will come back maybe a, a little bit different in terms of his perspective on how the House should, uh, should run. Um, again, we are all representing our respective constituencies. We are representing different parts of Texas. We are the voice for the people we represent. And, and I hope he understands he didn't get to the speakership alone. He got there with the support of, of Democratic members, and so he's going to need to figure out a way on how he holds on to that.
1: Yeah, representative. So you you'd mentioned. I mean, you sound hopeful that that the speaker learned some lessons in this last session. And you know, I was thinking about uh, you know your previous sessions before you know the 2021 uh, legislature, and it sounds like. It, you know it seems like you you often found a way to work with Republicans i mean you you got a lot done in your time and looking at this current session i mean I know you're hopeful that you know it might be different but what does your gut tell you is is the legislature going to return to you know how it had been anytime soon or is just is this just the way it's going to be going forward do you think
2: well, I, I always have a bit of hope, right? Because I always want things to. <laughs> <they're> <laughs> the whole purpose of so, you know What's, you, you yeah. want. <laughs>
1: how you about want. the non-hopeful part? Right. <laughs> what I, do you I really mean, think? What do you really look, think? look?
2: Look, what I really think is it's 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 gonna it's gonna determine it's all determined on what the election results are going to be. It's mm-hmm. going to determine you know how is is the governor's race? What are the results going to be? You know when mm-hmm. the session before when. Uh, the Republicans got the scare of their life when, I mean, it it looked like the AG barely held onto his seat, Dan Patrick as well. And because of that, we had such a great session. That was the whole focus on public Mm -hmm. education funding. And, you know, we lovingly referred to it as the kumbaya legislative session because we were all in sync together. So Mm -hmm. I do have hope in the sense that, hey, if, if we we have successful races. If, if, if you're not successful, if we come close, um, that is what's gonna, you know, prompt, uh,
0: mm.
2: Republican leadership to want to work together. So, Hey, I have a little bit of hope there. You okay.
1: right. <laughs> know, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, before you joined the house, you were a prosecutor at the Bear County district attorney's office. And I was just curious how that experience informed your time at the Texas house and how you might think it could inform your
2: uh, efforts as county judge? Well, thanks for that question. So I was I was a prosecutor. Um, before that, I had interned with the Criminal District Court Administration, so I used to prepare writs of habeas corpus opinions for all of the different uh, felony district judges at the time. And so I got to see the inner workings of how, you know, the district courts worked and also the administrative part. Um, but in terms of being a prosecutor, I... I I think really it, it a lot of the policies that are set, right, we have our hands tied in terms of plea bargain offers we can make and tra- cases that we try. It's it's all set by the DA um, and what is their mission and what is their vision uh, for their office at the time. And so I, I was under uh, Susan Reed as a prosecutor. And, you know, for myself, I think uh, there are things that I saw. I, I think that um, uh, there were there was a push uh there was at the time no no pretrial diversions that were offered when i was a prosecutor i, I think that um you know she she had a hard stance and um i, I i'm happy to see that over time right before i left the uh, the da's office that there was a movement of drug courts right that i remember that was the big change that there was there was drug courts and it was about you know understanding that that substance abuse problems, that they needed to be dressed in a different way. And so I've just seen how that's evolved. And and, and for me, I think it's really important and and why I joined the Criminal Justice Reform Caucus at the Texas House, because, um, you know, we have been so punitive in terms of how we deal with people who may have gotten arrested for a substance abuse issue, Um, maybe people who have petty theft because they need to feed uh, themselves or their families, they can't get a job for for whatever reason. But it's not about the answer. Isn't about always putting people in jail and prisons. It's it's a, it's created a cycle, right? And, it, and it's created a cycle of poverty poverty for people. And what I think is, as a, as a district attorney, we could have had a had a perspective where how do we help the community and build up the community? It doesn't necessarily always have to be punitive. And so, I think I've had that unique perspective to see just how things have evolved, and really, it's evolved because of the different DAs that have come into office. Um, And and and, you know, and also, I I had left the DA's office to do defense work, and also to uh, represent children as as an ad litem in foster care, or or representing parents facing the termination of their parental rights. And that's where I really got a passion about wanting to address foster care reform. You know, a lot of parents who lost their kids. Because of the fact, maybe because they were poor, you know, they removed their kids because they they didn't have the income. and and that that's not right, right? There, you you should be looking at how do you keep families together. But there are instances of ne- abuse and neglect where you do have to remove a child, but you got to give those parents an opportunity to give them the tools that they need and resources so that they can get their kids back. And so I would see an instance, for example, where maybe a mom, has a, a substance abuse problem. You know, she herself was a child in the in, in the CPS system. So you know, put her. They put her in in a, in, in a substance abuse facility. But maybe because of um, some problems there, she got one, two, three demerits and got kicked out. And, and it was very punitive. And now I'm seeing a whole different attitude, a holistic approach to. Working with these parents, giving them the support that they need, not punitive, and, and, and trying to make sure that they maintain the family. So, yeah, that's just different uh, uh, different perspectives that I've seen as my as, a, as an attorney in, here in Bear County.
0: I want to
1: get back to Hope. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what what excites you about the possibilities of being a county judge? What excites you about the things that you that you can do?
2: Well, I think it's a diff, it's a new era of of leadership for Bear County. I would love to build on all that uh, Judge Wolf has done, but I think it's time. If you look, you've got you know my former colleague Justin Rodriguez now as Commissioner of Precinct uh, Precinct Two. You have Commissioner Rebecca Clay Flores has come in and uh, Precinct One. You got Trish DeBerry, uh, and and so it's it's new leadership coming in it's the ability to work together. You know, even though we may have differences, I think that's what makes us stronger. I know them. I know them all. I I hope to get to know Commissioner uh, Rebecca Clay Flotis better. Um, But I think it's it's important that I think we can have new ideas. We can talk together about uh, what can we do? What are different approaches? And I think it's just, it's just a new era of leadership. And that's what makes me so excited about it too, and in addition to that, when I was in the Texas House, I had noticed that there was definitely a division between the county and the city of San Antonio, the two different governments. They didn't really talk. They they didn't uh, they didn't partner. Um, and because of the pandemic, because of of the winter storm, I noticed this legislative session. It was it was awesome to see Judge Wolf and Mayor Nierenberg. Form a partnership um, and work together, and to show the community, like, "Hey, we're a partnership, and we're here to serve you all." And I, and so I, I have a lot of hope that hopefully we can break down those barriers. We can figure out a way how to work together. If, if there's something that the city of San Antonio can't do, how could the county supplement that? But really, it's, it's for me, it's it's coming home. It's being able to use my skill set um, and do good for the community that I live in, um, and that's what excites me, and that's what gives me hope.
1: It seems like Judge Wolf, um, you know his his priorities were often, uh, you know, big capital projects like the Tobin Center. He, you know, he he helped usher in the AT and T Center. Uh, also, a lot of economic development. I mean, I think he's still proud of uh, the city county partnership that brought Toyota here. How would your priorities differ from Judge Wolf's?
2: Well, what I did, uh, what I did when I announced my exploratory committee, I had also talked about. I had released a community survey because I really wanted to hear uh, from our neighbors. I wanted to hear what are the issues most important to them because I want to take those responses into account when I decide what are my, my priorities going to be. It's very important to me that I hear, um, you know, from our community. Um, and it's it's interesting when I'm reading um, some of the results, uh, you know, a lot of them, one of them is they they talk about the lack of transparency. They feel... Uh, that they don't have a real much of a relationship or know how things are done at the county and and what are, how the decisions come to fruition. They they really question wh- how are these budget decisions made and why 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 is money put to, towards certain projects and not to my neighborhood not to my precinct and so um, I, I, I'm really relying on, on on the insight that those community responses uh, have provided to me. And then we'll decide my priorities. But of course, we always want to make sure, look, some of the things that, that our neighbors talk about, look, where I want I want a decent job. I want to know how can I actually get a well-paying job? How can I I support my family at the end of the day? How do I pay my bills? I mean, our our, our neighbors are busy living their life, but these are these are their concerns and how do I make them know that I I care number one about what wakes, keeps them up at night. And two, how can I, as a Bear County judge, how can I use my position to help alleviate some of those concerns that they have?
0: You know, in, in recent months, we've seen some conflict between uh, Sheriff Salazar and Commissioner Trish DeBerry um, with regards to the, to the administration of the, of the jail. Uh, Commissioner DeBerry, we would say that she's um, just trying to bring more transparency, transparency to the uh, you know, to the operations of the jail, and the sheriff has has argued that uh, you know she's uh, wanting to privatize the jail and and that there have been some personal attacks directed at him. As county judge, how would you uh, you know work to kind of make sure that everybody's on the same page with regards to this issue of the jail?
2: Well, I think one of the the critical um, responsibilities of the judge is how do you get different personalities uh, to work together? Um, and, and it's not just even on the court, right? It's, it's in different County departments. It's, it's the judges, it's, uh, the public defender's office. There, there are so many different personalities, but in regards uh, to commissioner DeBerry and the sheriff, you know, I, I, I was watching what was going on when I was up in Austin. Um, and it concerns me. I, I, I don't like to see two, uh, elected officials who have been voted into their respective offices by the voters. I, I don't like to see uh, the fighting. Um, you know, it's concerning that it's gotten to this point and I, and I would hope that I could definitely bring them together um, to address, you know, the differences in personalities. And really, I think when you can get that aside, I think you can have a respectful, uh, a respectful dialogue about what, what are the concerns here and how can we meet in the middle. Um, I've definitely seen those, those types of, of, disagreements when I was at the legislature, but you know, it all comes down to, Hey, can we just get into a room? Can we just, can we just talk? And maybe we need to get into a room and have it, have the both of you all duke it out <laughs> and, 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 and let's, res- let's take it from there. <laughs> and, you know, it's about the people we gotta, that's gotta be at the front and center. So let's, let's, let's just try to figure out what the, the personal disagreements are. And, and, and I'd be happy to try to facilitate that between them.
0: You know, we, we still uh, don't know who's going to be running for your for your uh, Texas House District uh, 124 seat. Uh, last week, uh, Councilwoman Melissa cabello Havert has said that she it's something that she's uh, considering, that she's thinking about it. Um, and so I know it, it's, I don't know if, if at any point you're going to want to endorse anyone, and I, and I know it would be too soon for that anyway. But if you could just talk a little bit about the kind of person you'd like to see uh, succeed you in, in that district.
2: I want a workhorse. I want uh, a representative that is. It, it's not about the title. It's about going and going to Austin to be effective and to bring home uh, important pieces of legislation about policy. Uh, being being a voice of that district, I, I, I want someone that's going to be engaged with the constituents. Um, and it's about it's about the constituents and it's about listening to to their concerns. You know, a lot of what I worked on in the legislator, the legislature came from the constituents, right. Who would come and talk to me about, about concerns that they had problems that they had in their life. And then taking that input and then working on pieces of, of, of of legislative, you know, legislation that I felt would help benefit them. But it's someone really that I just want who has just pure of heart that really is going to care about the district and is going to work when they're in Austin. That's going to bring home the wins. That's going to bring home the wins for San Antonio too. Um, you know, I think that's a reputation I established in the House. I was very no nonsense. Um, they knew I was serious. They knew that I was always working. That's why I was I was the one Bear County representative on the Appropriations Committee. That's why I was the one <laughs> representative uh, for Bear County serving on the Redistricting Committee. Um, it, it's it's someone that is pure of heart. It's not about the title. It's about doing the work, and and that's who I I want to be the next representative of House District One Twenty Four.
0: When you look back at the at the the weeks uh, you and and your fellow Democrats spent in Washington D.C. Um, breaking quorum to try to block the passage of the that restrictive Republican election bill, um, what what are your your memories of just the, the experience of that? Um, being there with a lot of a lot of your colleagues, but being away from home and uh, and not really knowing how long you were going to be there,
2: you know, it was it was hard. It was it was not a it was not a decision that was taken lightly. And you know, I think uh, I remember getting off the plane and seeing all of this media. Um, I mean, just nationwide media and the exposure that we got, and, and it it was a shock to the system. Um, it was. It was hard. It, it, you're dealing with uh, the backlash of, of people who feel that we, that we left, that we fled and not understanding. Look, we <laughs> used a tool. We used a procedural tool that was voted on by Republicans and Democrats. Every member of the House voted for this tool and we used it. Um, and it, 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 it was just an experience that was hard. It, I did not know when I would be able to get back home. Um, it was a moment feeling, you know, we're away from family. We are away from jobs. It's, it's, it was a lot of stress and uh, going to the Hill, visiting with members of Congress, visiting with members of the Senate and, and and explaining to them why this mattered and why they needed to care about this piece of legislation. Um it, it, I always joke around, but I think I will one day write a book <laughs> about the quorum uh, break experience and, and what it meant to me. Um, I, I feel though that it was it wasn't easy. It was it was a lot of stress. It was a lot of sleepless nights. It it was um, knowing that that my staff in particular were dealing with a lot of backlash from from callers. Not just not not necessarily from my district. It was from all over the state. The vitriol that they got, the threats that they got. Um so it it was a lot it was a lot on my shoulders, but it was a lot on my staff as well and you know i'm very I'm very grateful to them that they were able to withstand that um but it it again it for me in particular it was it was hard the quarantine break was very difficult
1: you know with all that in mind, were you disappointed by the response or lack of action from uh Washington Democrats, including the Biden administration?
2: Yeah, very, very disappointed. Um, you know, look, we, we, we had the opportunity to visit with the with the vice president. Um, I think Senator Klobuchar really understood the urgency of, of what we were doing. And, and I was so impressed. I got to meet with her. And she she's a powerhouse in her own right. And she has done all that she can on her end to, to push you know, this piece of legislation and and talking with her colleagues and, but I, but the frustration that I had, I'm, I'm disappointed that the president didn't meet with us. I think this is, this is an attack on our democracy. Um, I understand that he, he feels he has other, uh, other responsibilities that he needs to tend to, but uh, yeah, it's most definitely been Um, disappointing. And and, and really, I think there's a disconnect when when we visited with members of Congress. I don't think they really had this on their radar. And and it was telling them and explaining to them, look, Mm -hmm. this is coming to the different state legislatures. And if you want to come back and continue serving your constituents, (laughs) this bill could very much prevent you from getting elected. It's true. Hello, please wake up. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think when I, when I, when I worded it that way, they thought, Oh my gosh, this is a problem. This is serious. Yeah. um, You know, this is serious here. Wake up. And, um, I know you're in your bubble of Washington, DC, but come on. Um, yeah, if that was, that was, that was eye-opening to see that they, there was a lot of disconnect there. Um, and, 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 and it was explaining to them, look, this is what's happening in state legislator, like legislatures across the country. We're sounding the alarm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, please wake up <laughs> and, and do all that you can on your end.
0: Well, State Representative Vina Mijares, thank you so much for, for joining us. Good luck on uh, with your, your campaign. Um, but We really appreciate you joining the podcast. Um, and uh, to everyone out there, hope you all are doing well. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving and uh, we'll be back uh, with you again soon. Take care.